Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today on the show, we take a look at hard choices, big decisions, and the weight of responsibility. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. I'm Kevin. I'm Jaden. And we have a barn burner for you folks uh, this time around. We're uh, capping off the season. You know, it's it's the last episode. Let's go hard. And we're very pleased to introduce some very special guests on this episode. We've got Ken and Eric in the cut from Normandy FM. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. I, you feeling good, Ken? You ready for this? I'm always happy to be a Mass Effect podcast again. So <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> We've been away too long from it. Mm-hmm. That's that's right. You guys, obviously, Mass Effect was your bread and butter for a while, but you got away from it into other topics for a while. Tell us about that. Yeah, we uh, so we started out uh, as Normandy FM, which is really just a podcast for Ken and I to talk about a game that we both love but somehow had never really gone full in on the podcasting thing for it was actually an n7 day that ken basically called my bluff on (laughs) uh talked forever and was like well why don't we just podcast about it and at the time i was like yeah sure yeah whatever ken let's see you do it and well here we are years later uh i've learned never to doubt this man um so we started out we did mass effect and and that went really well so we went into dragon age and that did really well and into jade empire and we were like okay that's enough bioware for now (laughs) so uh yeah then we picked up last of us and now we're in final fantasy which is uh nice you know we're just going all over the place we already announced that our next season's cyberpunk too so you know we're wow we're really just opening cans of worms everywhere we go yeah, quite a quite a journey you've been on. I got to ask though, when are your anthem episodes starting? Uh, you know that's gonna be that's gonna be backer goal. If y'all if we get one backer who backs us at like the million dollar mark, then yeah, I'll sit down and play through anthem. Yeah, they, back us en- they will start back us enough to where we can quit our jobs. Exactly. We'll there you go. Yeah. You'll, you'll start doing it as soon as EA starts caring about that game. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that's already so 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 EA already took that thing behind the shed ain't nobody caring about that anymore. exactly <laughs> i bought that game at launch i paid full price for that game i'm uh, me too God. i i i know a guy who bought the season pass <laughs> yikes mm. that's oh, worse man. than buying Which the I game like, i think i didn't i didn't know they had a season pass dude and he was like the gamestop guy said they did like, Ooh. Ooh. Oof. Oof. strike one and two on that statement Oof. there <laughs> But no, it's, that's great. I, I mean, I'm happy to have, we're all happy to have you guys here. We're all so happy to give you the opportunity to uh, go back to the Milky Way, go back to the Relay, you know, and uh, take it back a little bit. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going big. We're thinking big this time with the Galaxy Brain topic, you know, just 
let's look at the entire trilogy this time is what we're thinking. So today we're discussing the big decisions of the Mass Effect trilogy, the things that Commander Shepard has been responsible for over the years. And we want to take a closer look at what things like that do to a person when you're responsible for the, you know, the lives of billions, literally billions. Uh, how do you stay sane through a career like that, a military career like that? That's just, it's just, I don't think anyone, I haven't heard it discussed. You know, we, we need to break the stigma of the mental trauma that video game characters suffer. So let's, let's break the stigma here. Well, now don't forget. So the main, the biggest thing is honestly, most of the stuff here is would break probably anybody, but, but Shepard not only has plot armor for Shepard's like physical existence, but also Shepard has psychic mm -hmm. plot armor. So just yeah. keep that in mind. That's obviously your main character can't, you know, lose their shit yeah. uh, in the first game and never show up again. But that's just keep this in mind that there is a lot of True. plot armor here for Shepard's psyche. Do you guys think him dying in the second game like reset his mental clock? Well, that's a oh, you get like, like just, a, just drained the sanity, just drained the sanity meter <laughs> back to zero. He was like, oh, well, like in the Shepard's thinking, like, oh, it could always be worse. I could be dead, but you know, I've been there, and let me tell you, oh. as Shepard is floating out in space, they're thinking back on that time that they're like, well, it could be worse. The Normandy could blow. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, things like that will really give you perspective, I guess. You know. You, that really grounds you when when your ship is blown up around you and you have to be rebuilt like the six trillion dollar man. That's uh, mm -hmm. that, yeah, it's perspective. Before we get really deep into it, some quick housekeeping. Just so you all know, we love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at lorepartypodcast at gmail dot com with your thoughts and episode ideas. Also, we stream occasionally on Twitch. Be sure to follow us on Twitch TV slash lore underscore party. And of course, you can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. So let's get into it. We, we, I think we have kind of three big chunks of the discussion. We're going to start with the classic, the, the big keystone moment in Mass Effect 1. And I'm talking, of course, about the mission to Vermeer. I think that the term, the word Vermeer sends some chills up the spine for almost anybody who's played that game. Uh, but the quick background is, I mean, the team, Shepard and the team, go there to stop Saren, the bad guy, from breeding an army of Krogans. But this quickly spirals out of control and leads to uh, kind of a standoff between, or not Rex, the Krogan member of the party, and the rest of the team. It could turn potentially deadly. Uh, I guess depending on your playthrough, <laughs> it gets particularly mm -hmm, deadly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, it's, it's really this moment that I think, um, th there are a lot of choice moments in, in Mass Effect that you can look at and, and they stick out the Rachni are, are a big one and things like that. But I think when it comes to choices that end up defining your character, and that's really what Mass Effect is at the end of the day is it's not just any old Shepard. It's not just, you know, a character in the way that Kratos is a character, or a character in the way that like Aloy from Horizon is a character, but it's a character that you make and, it's a different kind of character that you then have to like engage with is that this is an embodiment of your actions and you kind of see it come to fruition there a little bit with Vermeer because the game doesn't just present you a choice that you have to make an A or B choice on. It's say it, it almost kind of challenges you to be like back up why you think a choice would be a good decision. And that's one of the reasons it's really stuck with me through all the years is 
it's not often a game always presents you with a choice and it says like back it up <laughs> like you know rex is pulling a gun on you and saying my people have been dying from the genophage for ages for a thing that our ancestors did we had nothing to do with and you want to go in there and blow up our only shot at a save now you you know that having Saren make an army of Krogan is going to be a bad thing, but you have to be able to then explain it to Rex or have earned Rex's trust to get through that. Otherwise, that's not going to work out well. So I Ken, I know you got thoughts on on this stuff as well too, but that's that's one of the stickouts to me is that this is a moment where you got to back up, you know, what you believe rather than just saying like this is what I'm going to do. This is you saying this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it also sticks out as a moment, like, you know, again, in a game full of choice-based moments, like, it is one of the only instances in the game, it's, like, something that you have to do and you don't get to just simply cleanly walk away from. Like, something with Arachni or Pharos happens, and, you know, you get to leave that planet behind, but after you get back to your ship on Vermeer, you're going to have one, maybe two empty chairs for the rest of the game. And to that, you know, to that end, like, that is going to be, like, it is an expression of your values in this game and how your vision of Shepard plays out in a world where their choices actually do have like an impact and something that you have to like have, the, you know, that weight on your shoulders, you know, not even just in Mass Effect 1, like throughout the trilogy, like those are things that you have to live with. And as these, you know, expressions of who you were in those moments and why you did the things that you did. Yeah. The, these kinds of decisions, it's not just, you know, picking what color clothing from the vendor mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like these are decisions that, off the bat, they are life and death decisions. They are very much impactful, not just, you know, for the character that you're speaking to, but just, for instance, the Krogan situation, like, that is impactful to an entire mm-hmm. species, and it could potentially, you know, save their species in a way. Um, and and so you, you not just have to thought process the whole thing with that person, but also the whole situation as a whole. And, and, and so... When you talk to Rex about this, you really have to, like you said, gain Rex's trust because you can just say anything, you know, in a game sometimes. And it's just it's just it's just part of the story, you know, in in air quotes, whereas this is like this is your decision and this is impacting this character's life, what this character has gone through their entire life. And and you're making a massive decision for them almost based on you know the three or four options given whatever you choose not only makes or breaks the character but it could make or break the universe the species you know all there's so much more than just you know who am i going to take with me on this planet yeah. kind of situation and i think it's particularly difficult for a leader you know an officer and shepherd and commander shepherd's position because this isn't a clear cut you know this is my enemy this is a threat i need to deal with it in a direct you know, practical manner. This is an ally who I'm at an impasse with, and whatever decision you make, uh, like we've established, that has has permanent consequences. And you know, we'll we'll probably touch on this again later. But a theme here is that when you're in a position of command, you have to get used to the idea of people you're responsible for possibly dying in the line of duty. And I think a commander in Shepard's position is going to know that. But like when you're directly literally maybe responsible for that person dying when they really didn't have to arguably that's going to be that's not just something you're going to walk off and just go to you know sleep just fine that night you know what i mean so <laughs> but before we move on any final thoughts on the rex standoff because f- some other shit goes down on vermeyer as well as we know <laughs> I, I th- well 
as someone who uh, I I before I played Mass Effect one, Mass Effect two had come out, so I played that first, mm. and then I played three, and then I went back and played one. Wow! So I was someone who went, oh, there's a character named Rex in this game. <laughs> oh, because no. the canon right. ending is that he does yeah. not survive. Wow, that's crazy. And so. I played through the, you know, I went back and I was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can get this guy to live. And it was, it was kind of difficult to get him to hit, stick around there. Because that guy, that guy wanted to die, it seems like. <laughs> well, it's, he was a bullet magnet, yeah. It's, it's something that, I think when Bioware does this, it's one of their, like, the best clubs they have in their bag. Is, like, this idea that you have a party member that disagrees with you. And, you know, I think in a lot of games, even Bioware games themselves can sometimes be guilty of this idea that you become this character that gets to just make the decisions for everybody and say, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make a sweeping change to this entire universe. And because I am the protagonist of video game, it gets to happen. Mm-hmm. And yep. I think when Bioware <laughs> pulls that club out and says, nah, you are going to have opposition, like you don't get to just be unchallenged through this. You've got to reason yeah. your way through it or you can get what you want, but it's going to cost you something. And I I think that's a really cool thing to have because I think a, it is more realistic, you know, in real life, you are going to have people who are going to disagree with you and you're going to have to be able to stand your ground and prove yourself to them or else you're going to be at opposition with each other. And in the situations that they're in opposition with each other is not just, we're unfollowing each other on social media. (laughs) (laughs) This is life and death. And I think it also works well because it then informs your character. You know, this is your shepherd. And I think whenever a game can kind of push you and ask you, what do you believe and why do you believe it? That's then informing the way that you create your own character and feel a sense of place and self in this world. And so I I think it's Mm -hmm. one of the cooler moments in Mass Effect 1 because it is them leaning into this stuff and having these characters that are going to kind of push you and say, no, you're going to be more actively involved in the story than just hitting option a or option b so that's the thing these options they give you are not just like a life decision where it's like i have the money for the car should i buy the car or should i Mm. not buy the car it's it's not like so a or b there are consequences and a lot more all of these decisions that we Mm -hmm. talk about today there there are way more story elements that are impacted and kind of like a butterfly effect Mm. if you will but also just things you have to take into account when making these these decisions because for instance with Rex you you can I I was able to save mm-hmm. this guy and mm-hmm. I was I loved him so much I was like I'm going to be your bro I'm going to do what I can for your people I got you trust me and he was like all right fine and I was able to keep him through the all three games but again with the canon like that's normally that's not the right deci- I don't want to say right decision it's, that's not the the fate decision if you will a fate if you believe in that kind of thing so it's if you look at that look at all the things that happen if rex doesn't survive how how the whole entire krogan story is impacted and not just the krogan story there's other people too like morden and stuff like there's a lot more that's impacted that you also when playing those decisions they kind of hint at it with the character's explanation of why they're opposing you and that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. Rex just didn't say, you know, it's my way or the highway. It's it's Rex explains himself and says, this, these are things that I'm thinking about as to why I don't agree with you. And I think that having all that information really adds and weighs heavily to your decision. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like the way they handled this this specific situation really emphasizes like, how many things are impacted Mm. 
Well, and to give you a great example of the another game that doing the opposite of this uh, is Fallout Four. If any of you oh, ever played that, yeah. uh, the last, the last, <laughs> the last DLC, you know, you get to take control of the Raider group, mm. and you know, you get to lead the Raiders on an attack on the settlements. But you made those settlements. Mm. Literally, you're attacking your own stuff. So, press, you know, Preston Garvey, he doesn't even get he he gets mad at you, but he doesn't attack you. Mm. He's just like. That was mean of you, General. Like, like the old Fallout <laughs> games, that would have been fight on sight, right, you know. But right. he's just like, "Hey, man, we made something nice and you wrecked it." Cut it out. By the way, the settlement needs your help. Fight me, you fool! Too it's, true. I I know they need help. I'm the one causing the danger. Yeah. I am the danger, Skylar. Yeah, if we turn God. this into like reasons why Fallout, specifically Fallout Four, has problems. Be along with the <laughs> podcast, but. I, I like the point oh, about canonicity too, because that's kind of like yeah. the the shadow that hangs over Mass Effect in a way, because the whole series is supposed to be about having your playthrough. And if you play one through three in, you know, the order as intended in sequential order, then you can create kind of your own universe. But over the years, you know, for whatever reason, as people kind of got onto them, I always like to laugh that there were people who might have picked up Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U, having never played those games and having no <laughs> ability to play those games because the first two were not on Wii U. <laughs> and they're ending up with this very strange play file that they're having to work with. But I know, I know, Ken, you're like big into to canonicity and all that, but it is a thing that you have to like contend with as as the games go on and and this idea that they create the best part about those games is that uh in order to establish the deep and rich backstory of the first two games that you did definitely <laughs> didn't play they made you do like comics uh like <laughs> like a pick yeah like a comic and like choose your own adventure <laughs> thing and it's like if you're like like i don't know who the hell tally is sure she came with me i don't I can't know imagine getting to mass effect 3 and not knowing who rex and tally are it's yeah. just no, exactly. Wild to Ugh. me. Well, it's like it's like uh, we're gonna leave. Uh, we're gonna leave Caleb, uh, uh, Caleb and uh, Rex are dead. Like, who were those? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of leaving people and uh, people dying, uh, <laughs> like oh. later in that. Yeah, I know we we got a little away from it, but mm-hmm. later in that same mission, it's uh, that was a hell of a day for Shepard. That's a packed day. Not only do you have to talk Rex down off a cliff and you know at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. But later on, both Caden and Ashley, two of your squad mates, they're both pinned down and in mortal peril, and you can only go back and rescue one of them. So it's 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 literally a gun to your head, A and B, who lives, who dies, and that's I God, uh, you know, we've touched on before again this idea of the weight of responsibility and the burden of command, you know, having to spend lives and not just waste them. It's like. Yeah, when you send people into combat, they may die, but when you are literally given the choice of who lives and who dies, that's an entirely different issue. Like, how do you, how do you bear that? How do you walk away from that? It's, uh, uh, I, again, we, I, I guess there's always the mental plot armor of Shepard, but I, I think we do see them have, you know, a process of grief afterwards. Like, if for me, in my playthrough, I left Caden behind. I just, I, I kept Ashley. And I, I, afterwards, there's, there's conversations you can have where Shepard's like, I, you know, I, I'll miss Caden. He was a good crewmate, and yada yada. So it's kind of like you can tell your character, even though they are, yeah, the, they're the protagonists. So they're gonna, they're gonna function. They're gonna be okay one way or another. But they're still dealing with this loss somehow. And it's kind of like, how do you you just kind of accept your decision and move on? Is it that simple? You know, what do you do? I think one of the things that helps is that when we make these decisions, they're brought up to remind us 
and when it comes so i i i took caden with me um and ashley was my decision and i just remember continuously being brought it, it just reminded it keeps getting brought up um not just obviously this decision, but all these decisions, the massive decisions, the mass affecting <laughs> decisions uh, brought up a lot. <laughs> and they're brought up a lot throughout all the, all the games. And you're continuously reminded of, you know, that one thing you had to do at that one time. And so it's not like, you know, now it's not just a A and B decision and just forget it. It's also now a decision that you are going to be reminded of. And, you know, I think that plays a role in my decision making as as a player. I mean, it it does. I, I, of course, it's gonna play a role in Shepard's psyche, but like my psyche, like I'm gonna remember those Batarians. I'm gonna remember, you know, what I did uh, with the council. I'm gonna know, like I, you know, if I if I I let the council live and. I was reminded by them, like, you know, you let us live. And then they still, you know, kind of screwed me over a couple times. And I'm like, <laughs> but if I chose not to let them live, I wouldn't hear the mm-hmm. end of it. Like, it would be completely True. like, well, you killed the council. It's like, it's just these decisions are always continuously being thrown back in my yeah. face. And it affects how I'm going to make decisions later on. Mm. Yeah. I think with this decision specifically, like it, I think even more so than the Rex stuff does, I think, I think it more uh, kind of sets the foundation of like what is the consequence of existing in the Mass Effect universe and like being a player of these mm-hmm. games. I think it more embodies that probably than any, anything that comes, I think of the first two games at least, like three, we, you know, we'll get to. But, um, you know, this idea that like you will not be able to get out of everything unscathed and it kind of has to, you know, it, it comes down to like why you do what you do, why you like what reasoning you have to, sometimes like sometimes it kind of goes outside the scope of like the tools the game gives you as a player to like express within the universe um but it's kind of like what do you what do you have like the strength to bear like what is the weight that you're willing to carry as you're going through and i think when we get into like how it affects you know the, the player character of shepherd like i think it is like you know we can have kind of like broad generalizations about like you know being in command and grieving just generally but i think like when you are creating this character like shepherd that has that's malleable, that is, you know, this modular thing that everyone kind of, like, nobody talks about Shepard in the same way, I don't think. Like, for me, like, you know, if you've never listened to a podcast or read anything I've ever written, Mass Effect through the trilogy is, like, this really angsty love story between Shepard and Caden for me, mm-hmm. so, like, there's a very specific <laughs> selfish reason why I pick Caden mm-hmm. in Vermeer. And, like, you know, it plays into, like, a, you know, a larger story that I'm writing in my head about, like, how Shepard as a character, like, realizes at this point, like, the Vermeer section broadly, like, he is letting his emotions and get in, you know, entangled into his decision making as commander. And, you know, Caden, you know, in spite of like, you know, everything else that the relationship is going to be by the end, Caden is a reminder of like when he did that. Like when he let that stuff get in, get in the way of like why he wow. did things and like um so I think like I said, like it kind of goes beyond I guess it's on the player to kind of like fill in those gaps that the game doesn't let you outwardly express because you know, I can't go up to Caden and be like, I saved you because I love you. I <laughs> have to, like, when he asked, like, why, why me? And I was just like, I made the decision, like, we're all just going to have to live with it. I don't, like, mm-hmm. want to even talk about it. And um, I think that's, yeah, and we'll, again, this will get to a broader topic that we're going to talk about when we get to Mass Effect 2. But um, I think just, like, being willing to live with the fact that you made a decision and it's not always going to be kind of, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be yeah. justified mm-hmm. to you by the game itself. 
and it's just something like you have to internalize. Um, I think that's why Vermeer sticks out to so many people, and why you know it uh, maybe doesn't jive with some people that like don't like don't like that they weren't able to get this perfect ending. This you know mm -hmm. this thing where they did not have to face any consequences because they didn't like they did enough side quests that they got to get out with their entire crew without any running into issues. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's funny that I was having a similar conversation recently about uh, a game that I really liked uh, called Fire Emblem Three Houses. And someone was telling me that they didn't like it because they were like, oh, you know, I always had to make a choice. I just want to recruit everybody to my team and everybody be happy. And I was like, that, that ain't how it works. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's how not it life. Goes. And yeah. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I don't think Mass Effect is doing it just to like knock your your lunch tray over and be like, that's not real life. Kid. You know, <laughs> I think it's doing it because it is a reality of the of the life that Shepard and the rest of these characters lead is that they're going into these situations where it is life and death on the line. And Bioware is not necessarily pulling punches with that idea. They are going to put their money where their mouth is in terms of, yes, there are going to be character lives at risk when you do things and Vermeer is them doing that twice over, you know? Yeah. And uh, as far as this stuff goes, specifically with Ashley and Caden, you know, I did a run. Uh, I don't think I finished a Mass Effect 3 playthrough of this, but I know I did Mass Effect 1 and 2 of having romanced Ashley. And there's some really interesting dialogue that you can run into where you are kind of having to cope with the idea that uh, maybe Shepard saved Ash because Shepard cared about somebody and maybe that was the wrong reason to make that choice in that situation. And I think that's an interesting thing that the games kind of brush up against. And granted, I don't know if they carry that over into three or not, because I did not want to play all the way through that romancing Ashley. I had other ideas <laughs> and plans in mind, but uh, it, it was a cool thing to see not just, you know, this interesting, tough choice and, you know, no, no true ending route out, no third option that Bioware themselves pull sometimes, you know, that magical everybody's happy moment. None of that here. Instead, they do this and then it becomes a foundational moment for Shepard moving forward. It's one of the ones that you see referenced in every single game moving forward. It's the choice they always come back to. And I think it's a good way for them to kind of put a pin in it and say, this is one of the defining moments in Shepard's life, no matter how many lives they lead. Uh, this is always going to be a big moment for everyone who plays it and we can do a lot of storytelling with it. I think it works out really, really well. For sure. Yeah. And you know, the big decisions don't stop there. I mean, <clears throat> like, like we've said, Shepard has had a long, illustrious and just honestly batshit career <laughs> over the years, you know, literally dying and mm -hmm. coming back to life as an agent for uh, Cerberus, the shadowy, maybe human supremacist organization that, uh, is uh trying to unravel just a, uh, just wee, a bit. wee bit <clears throat> that are working in the shadows to unravel the collector threat in Mass Effect 2 and toward the end of Mass Effect 2 Shepard is once again responsible for the lives of everyone on board a ship when the, you know they 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 embark on this they literally call it a suicide mission to the collector base you know it's kind of made made under it's made clear to you you might not all make it back from this but the stakes are so high that you know this is what we have to do this is how it has to be so going into this situation, you know, Shepard is once again finding themselves in the position of, I may be sending a lot of people to their deaths, but if we don't go, or if we go and we fail, that means more people, way more people than us, than just us, die. So the stakes are pretty high here. <clears throat> and, 
you know, we, we joked about maybe dying, resetting his, his or her mental clock, but like, is, is it just the fact that, you know, there's really no other option here. We have to, you know, go into this as well as we possibly can, or there is no daylight tomorrow for any of us. Uh, does that kind of make this decision easier? Is it kind of a necessity thing? It's, it's almost like, you know, it's so dire and so intense that you don't even have time or the mental bandwidth to be scared or nervous. You just got to go for it. Is that maybe what's happening here? Like, what do you, what we, what do we think Shepard's attitude going into a suicide mission like this is? I think for, for Shepard, it, it is just at the end of the day about, you know, it's the Reapers are a threat. And even if the universe isn't going to listen, mm-hmm. like I Shepard know that something has got to be done about it. And Shepard's going to have to work with whoever they can to get it done at the end of the day. Um, and I think one of the things that has made Mass Effect 2 in particular stand out to me over the years is that uh, whereas in one and three, you're kind of recruiting this, you know, one, it's a scrappy young team of people who are out to do good. And in three, it's, uh, you know, largely just a greatest hits, a who's who of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also James Vega. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping um, someone would say something. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, James ain't the worst, but James, you know, he, he has an attitude that's very unbecoming of the hero of the universe. He's just like, <laughs> you know, why do I have to trust you, Shepard? It's like, I've been doing this since before you were an adult. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Here? Leave me alone, imagine, you child. Imagine like the world's greatest band gets back together and then they get an extra person on guitar and that person has to show up and play with, I don't know, like the Stones or the Beatles or something. And they're like. I'm the other guy. <laughs> like we have Prince, Paul McCartney, James, and know, he's Kevin. He's just trying to hold it down. <laughs> uh, but, you know, to my point, you know, that's one in three, but you look at two, and it's a mixture of people who either believe in some crazy ideal that would make them willing to walk into fire, or it's ragtag, you know, rap scallions. It's a bunch of people that you know, have no better reason. I mean, something that stuck out to us in our, our Norm DFM season on it was that every single one of their loyalty missions in Mass Effect 2 was like doing the one thing this person needed to do before they would be willing to walk into fire, you know? And ironically, it's what ends up being the thing that saves most of them from dying Mm -hmm. in the suicide mission. But it's sort of this idea of them being willing to let go of their last inhibitions kind of their things that are keeping them worried and concerned about what's going on outside that so they can focus on the collector mission and that is the state they're going into it with is they have to be able to operate and focus and save the darn universe and not be worried about you know what's going on back home and that is kind of a haunting <coughs> thing when you think about it but it, it it it's something that makes that mission stick with me a lot right and i think like it it is both a thing like they want this you know this closure on this one thing, but I also think for a lot of characters it gives them something to go back to, like something to fight to survive and see mm-hmm. on the other end. Mm-hmm. And so like bring it back to Shepard, like again, like this comes down to like this is a character that is you as the player are basically right in their story as it's going on. And I, I like I wrote about once that, like my loyalty mission in Mass Effect was going to Horizon and seeing Caden again and being like, okay, he doesn't trust me anymore because fair, but also like that's what I'm fighting for when I'm fighting against the collectors. Like, that is what I'm, you know, if, if nothing else, I'm going to fight this fight to save him and to save the people that are around me that I care about. And so I honestly don't, 
we, we bring up Shepard's Death a lot in Mass Effect 2, but I personally don't feel like that game specifically does enough to like really sit mm. with the trauma of dying and being reborn. And a lot of that gets pushed into Mass Effect 3. Mm-hmm. And which is why I think like as a character, Shepard just feels like more fleshed out in 3 than ever. And whereas 2, like they are the facilitator of everyone else's growth. And I think, you know, to some, to some degree, you can view that as character building because like that is the leader having to put their shit aside for everyone mm. else. And, you know, like they are the one that can, that does not die from not having a loyalty mission. They are the one that can only die if everyone else that they have brought with mm-hmm. them, uh, you know, eats it. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, as far as what Shepard's, you know, baseline mindset, not adding all like, you know, the role playing elements, what a player might put in. I think it's just like, they have to understand like this has to be done. And I think this, you know, this, that's probably like why they join up with Cerberus or like willing to work with Cerberus is that they're like, okay, I see that, like I've gone to the council and they're not listening to me. Anderson does not have the power to sh- like sh- turn this in my favor where the people that I thought were, would be behind me, you know, would be working with me. So like I have to deal with this, I, I guess we call it like the lesser evil of like, you know, not doing anything at all of like the lesser evil of an inaction. Um, so I think it's just, it, it is necessity at that point. Like they understand more than anybody that, this is a threat that a large swath of the population doesn't even believe exists. And that's the thing about the, like, and that's the thing about the mission as a whole, though, too, is it's not just this, like, last mission, suicide mission, okay, cool, let's pick where character goes here, this one goes there, all right, cool. This is also right after doing those loyalty missions, if you do them, and you get to like also know these mm-hmm. characters even more with each mission. So it's not just like, you know, in, in Mass Effect 1, we kind of get a backstory for these characters. We kind of understand who they are to a degree, but not like these loyalty missions. Like these loyalty, like, like these loyalty missions go really mm-hmm. in-depth, and you get to understand the psyche of this character and you know, what they're going through and why they join servers and why they're really excited to be a part of your team specifically. They want to be with you. They love working with you because you're the one who gets shit done. And they, they have all these reasons and and all these excuses for all the stuff that's going on. And it's not just a character anymore in a video game almost. It really fleshes them out. And you're like, holy shit, Morden, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if you want to go do that one thing uh, in that little cramped area mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. It gets a little hot there. You know, let's, let's, like, you really start caring about these characters, and it, I kind of wish the loyalty missions were even, like, further back in Mass Effect 1 or, like, you know, even in, in the beginning of Mass Effect 2 because it would have made, like, even the decisions I make throughout the whole game a little bit more uh, thought-provoking mm-hmm. almost. But these loyalty missions completely change the last mission for you. Not just, obviously, for who survives and that kind of stuff, but it really changes yeah. how your outlook of that mission is. Because, I mean, like, if Morden <laughs> dies, I, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I love Morden. If Morden dies, yeah, I'm upset. So it's just, back. it's, yeah, seriously. Right. It is, it is just, it's just one of those things where you really take your time mm. with the decision and and want to you you want to do it quote unquote right you want to do it so your whole crew is coming back with you and it's champagne and a party afterward with giant collector base fireworks like mm. that's what you want you know so that's why i think this kind of mission doing these loyalty missions it's it's just one of those things that this 
mission is known so well throughout the uh, Mass Effect uh, player base that I think the loyalty missions are really the reason why, mm. rather than just the right. mission. Like I have like one of my like key memories of playing in the series for the first time was like being the, the first time I played the suicide mission where I was literally shaking, like mm-hmm. worried about like trying to get everybody out alive. And I think that investment like only comes after you've seen all these characters like in you know they're at their lowest and at their highest mm-hmm. after. Um, and it does get into like I mean broader feelings I have on the mission as sort of a. I would call it a misconstruing of like the thesis of the Mass Effect series, and that like it does have the the true ending, the right choice, mm-hmm. instead of like having you having to live with like the consequences of a decision. Which is why, I, and I think it like bleeds into discussions we have about the way that Mass Effect Three happens, where like you don't get you know the the you know the everybody wins ending, like you don't mm-hmm. you aren't able to do the things you want and just have everybody get out scot free. Like things that you want to do are going to be mutually exclusive with the lives of other people. And so, like, it is, you know, it, I mean, as, like, you know, the standalone thing, like, you know, devoid of any other context, like, it does embody, like, that, the, the stress and the, the responsibility of, like, being in command of these people, because, like, you are, like, seeing the point A to B of how your decisions affect the lives of other people, mm-hmm. and it's not doing any sort of, like, I mean, short of, like, loyalty mission, it's not doing any sort of, like, you know, looking at all these other decisions that you've made over the past games and kind of, like, funneling it into a specific moment where, like, certain things that you have done will open up certain possibilities. Um, you were just straight up seeing, like, I sent the wrong person down that vent, and thus I have seen them die. And again, like, I don't think, like, in the midst of the suicide mission, I don't think Mass Effect 2 is, allows you to sit with that that very long, because, like, it is, but it, you just have to keep going. Like, that is sort of, like, the drama of that. Like, for every person that falls, we have to keep going, because this is what we came here to do. We knew this might be a one-way trip. And, yeah, it's like, it's, that first time you play the suicide mission is, Frankly, nothing like it. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say you you talked about uh, you know the consequences of two carrying over into three. I imagine those decisions are a lot easier when you just yeet your guys at the tasks like Zap Brannigan <laughs> from Futurama. <laughs> you you show up in Mass Effect Three, it's like what happened to your Suicide Squad? They did what they needed to do. They were a Suicide Squad. <laughs> fulfilled their purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Where's it's... Tally? Good question. Where's Morton? Good question. Um, it is a good point though that in you know the age of playing video games online that's really hard to have those kinds of moments come across though because i mean it is our i think a lot of people's instinct to if they know they could get a perfect ending out of something they're going to look up how to do it and i mean that has there are decisions throughout lots of older video games that have become now oh i know which one i'm going to choose because this will get me the best outcome and yeah yeah you know it's gamifying the actual choice that somebody wants you to sit down and have but i'll say even through all that when I was playing it again for the Legendary Edition, when those came out, I knew exactly what choices I had to make to get everybody through. And I knew I bought all the right upgrades and I'd done all the uh, loyalty missions and even knew exactly how many missions I had between my crew getting abducted and having to go to the collector base to make sure like the fewest amount of them got liquefied. And... Even then, I'm watching these scenes as the Normandy is flying in and bullets are flying and ships are blowing up and everything's going crazy. And the the part where you run for the door at the end always gets me because I'm just terrified that I might have done something wrong and it will cost the life of one of these characters that I want to see make it through the other side. So even knowing the outcome, 
Yeah. Even knowing the outcome, you're still like, it's it's a tense mission. It, it, even if you are 100% sure you're right, you're never sure enough. Exactly. Well, and you, it's funny you bring up the liquefied because I remember um, the, you know, the, I, I, my first playthrough, I didn't get there fast enough and a bunch of them died. You know, the, mm-hmm. the doctor comes out and she just goes, don't worry, Commander. I'm sure you got here as quickly as you could. Like, I, I may have made some side trips over to the Citadel once or twice. Uh, yeah, thinking about hanging out on the Citadel, playing that one gambling game they have in there. Oh, collector base? I'll get around to it eventually. I'll, I'll get to it. As, as far as you know, I got here as quick as I could. I hustled, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep this conversation going, but first we're going to do some calibrations. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving on, though, to, you know, we, we've talked about Morden. You know, shout out Morden, the best boy, our, our main man, Morden. Uh, you know, going into Mass Effect 3, uh, we get another chance to, as Shepard, make a decision that's li- historic. It's a historic decision. It's not just a, uh, what am I going to put on my toast today decision. It's a, this will have ripples throughout the galaxy decision. So, the topic of curing the genophage has come up before. Uh, even back in Mass Effect 1, we talked about, you know, Rex, you know, holding on to hope that it could be done someday. And Morden eventually cracks the, cracks the code, like, finds out how to do it. And Shepard is kind of trusted with the decision of, do we cure the genophage or not? And it's kind of like, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone, right? Because for background, for context, what makes this decision complicated is, you know, people have debated, well, if the Krogans aren't genetically, you know, crippled by the genophage, they'll just breed out of control and we'll have solar systems swarming with Krogan in no time. And it's kind of like, it's almost like deer. I live in Ohio and deer are all over the place. And so like, it's kind of like we literally need hunters to go and kill deer as much as they possibly can. Otherwise, we're just going to be crawling with deer all the time. It's time for the Krogan hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like people, but all at the, on the other hand, it's like you can't just decide that other species aren't able to have children. It's kind of kind of messed up, right? So, so yeah, like as Shepard, you're kind of given that option of like, well, what do you think? And it's kind of like, I'm just one dude. Who am I to make a call like this? So it's, yeah, it's. I, I think your friendship, your relationship with Morden at this point in, in the trilogy kind of, it, it's like you're sharing the burden as Shepard a little bit, uh, but it's also like, it still comes down to you. And again, that's well, a lot of pressure. And too, the the uh, relationship with uh, Morden also helps sell it too, because if you don't have a good relationship with Morden, 
you might not care to cure the genophage because you know that's his whole thing that's mm-hmm. his whole identity is finding a cure for this but like you know say for whatever reason you're a heartless monster who doesn't <laughs> like morden uh and you don't you know do his loyalty missions and you don't bond with him you know you don't visit him and ask him and he didn't you know when he asks you about your sex life, you don't acknowledge it or anything, you know? Uh, you just, just ignore all that stuff. He's just looking out. And yeah, he's just looking out for <laughs> you. Being a bro. You know? And then, so you might not be inclined to cure the genophage. You might be like, nah, man, let's let's keep this the way it is. The galaxy's better off without it. But if you like Morton, you're like, no, hell yeah, man, I'm gonna help you out, buddy. This is your life's goal. Mm-hmm. Let's get it done. And you're definitely gonna come I'm... down from that tower afterwards. <laughs> Look, Morden has a reason for asking about uh, your sex life, okay? It's called Morden's Cure, okay? Get get ready, all right? Um, but no, seriously, the thing about Morden, too, is is what really also affects this decision because you're not just curing the genophase. It's like, all right, am I going to cure this thing? Oh, also, Morden, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to lose my best friend. I don't want to lose this person that I love and care about. And, you know, I don't know all the Krogan, okay, guys? Like, I, but I know Morden. Like, that, it's one of those things. So you have to, there's, there's this, this decision is not just to cure the whole species. It's also to cure a species and kill mm-hmm. a friend. And, you know, in Morden's view, it's like, yeah, you know, Morden's life is nothing compared to being able to save the species that Morden cursed, if you will. And, you know, I, I think that that is, again, that's one of those extra little things, that other layer that makes this decision even more difficult for you. And you're obviously going to be reminded about that. And there is a, I will say there is a way to convince Morden to, to, to not, like, basically die, essentially, and that's to actually let Rex mm-hmm. die in the first game. Um, that is the only way where Morden can essentially yep. survive is if you if you do that. and Because uh, no matter what, Morden well, will... Even then, it's, like, a super yeah. complicated... I once looked into it. I was like, is there any way? And yeah. it's... It's very difficult. Very difficult, and right. it, it, there's not even much of a payoff afterwards because you don't... He doesn't join you. He, like, goes away, and it's like, you get a... V- a voicemail of him in the Bahamas being like, oh, hey, man, what's going on? Things are pretty cool here. He disappears yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if anyone ever found out, like, what actually right. happened to make that come about, it'd be a bad time for everybody. And Exactly. I think it, an important thing to, like, lay out for this decision, too, is that it's, A, you know, when you meet Morden the first time, Morden's adamant that he did the right thing in the Genophage Restoration Project, that he did the right thing by i think he he did not ken correct me if i'm wrong on this he did not work on the original genophage but he worked on up, modification yeah he updated it to make sure because krogan were naturally starting to heal from it um so mm-hmm. he he is adamant that he made the right decision he made the right call he was maintaining the sanctity of the universe and throughout the course of mass effect 2 one of the things you start to deal with as you deal with his assistant malin and the things you find out there is he kind of has to start to grapple with what he did and also the human effect it has had. I, I mean, humans, you know, it's just a functional word for us. It doesn't really apply in Krogan <laughs> terms, but the, let's say the personal toll it took on individual people in this universe. And when you come to in Mass Effect 3, Morden has made a choice and it's 
you know, for once, Shepard's not the one making choices mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. universe. Right. Morden has chosen that he he needs to to make amends. He needs to make this right. And so you're not necessarily being given the choice of yes or no. Do I, you know, cure the genophage or leave it? Your choice is do I stop Morden or right. let right. it happen? Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that twist is really what makes it hurt uh, all yep. the more because. Oh if, yeah! If you're gonna step in there and do it, that means you're not just stopping Morden. Sometimes lethally stopping Morden if you take that route. Yes. But mm-hmm. now you are making it like concerted effort to undo the the thing that mm. Morden has chosen to right. do in this universe. And I think that's what ends up making Morden such a compelling character for everyone, myself included. Is this is a character who makes a choice who does their own thing in the universe. And once again, we're back on Vermeer, baby. We're making <laughs> tough choices and you're going to have to yep, stand up yep. to your beliefs and do what you believe in. And that might not always match up with Morden. Can you add something you want to say? Well, I was just thinking like, it's interesting to frame to me. It is interesting to frame the Sushanka decision as a difficult decision because it mm-hmm. is like you're saying, it is a moment of the making the decision of inaction as opposed mm-hmm. to doing something. And because like, you know, the entire premise of like Shepard's role in, especially in that like first uh, chapter or so, or act, whatever you want to call it of Mass Effect three is facilitating connections between other people. And it's basically mm-hmm. like, are you make the decision to either help these people do what they're here to accomplish or meddle? And so for me, like, Mass Effect 3 is, in a lot of places, it is me recognizing when it is not my place as Shepard mm. to involve myself in, in some of these decisions. And I think, you know, that's growth, I guess. I, you know, I destroyed <laughs> a, a cure on Vermeer, but I did not interfere with uh, what, they, what these people were trying to do. And so in that way, like, it's not a really hard decision. Like, it sucks to lose Morton. And I, but then, you know, you recognize this is how it has to be. And that is, again, like, one of the things that why i love mass effect 3 and it's sort of like depiction of the player's impact on the world is that it does not always you know end up in like the shiniest happiest yep. version of all this where everyone gets to you know cheer the genophage and then go home then and uh i just enjoyed that it was about me again like trying like projecting my views through shepherd into the world and just allowing something to happen because i thought it was right because i thought it wasn't my place to stop it mm-hmm. and um you were the side character in someone else's story mm-hmm. because he had to do it. And that's someone else would have gotten it wrong. And also the thing about Morden, you know, possibly surviving, you know, even if you won't have that uh, decision available, the game, the game like hints at it and it makes mm. you think you might be able to save him. And like, it kind of makes the choice like an illusion, if that makes mm. sense to you. And I mean that hurts even more. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's a, and then and then you kind of start thinking like, oh well, my choices don't really mean anything because I'm just gonna, you know, it's just what what's gonna happen is predetermined or what's gonna happen is gonna happen. And then like all of a sudden you start questioning, you're like, wait, oh my god, what could I have done? What could I have done? And there was nothing you could have done mm-hmm. unless it was like literal years ago. Right. And you're like, holy shit. Well, the choice you get to make is let your friend go and do the thing he wants to go do, right? It's it's right. to not put yep. your hand on the wheel. Right. Exactly. And we're spending a lot of time talking about Morden, but like there are ramifications for like if let's say you sabotaged it, but Rex is still <sighs> alive. So like you've killed oh, Morden. Man, that and then sucks. Rex shows yeah. up <laughs> on the Citadel, has found out what you've done, is about to is about to kill you for what you've done, and as you know, 
you finally get into this last firefight with the person who was your friend, who trust, trusted you wholeheartedly with the future of his people. Uh, he just says, I'm pulling all the yeah. Trogan out for the war. Fuck you. Uh, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, that's I fine. Think, I probably swore since we've gotten on. I don't know if I was allowed to say that. You're okay. allowed. Um, uh, you can fucking swear. It's and fucking so, fine. you know, it's one of those things where, like, you, <laughs> through your meddling, have ultimately undermined yourself. Because, like, the sort of, you know, the framing is like, oh, if you do this, if you... You know, there are the larger ramifications, like what the threat of the Krogan is, but also like, you know, the more immediate uh, payoff you get is that you'll have more Solarian support. Mm -hmm. And you've done this and you've killed one friend, you're about to kill the other. The entire, like the entire Krogan forces are being pulled out and you are not going to have that support in the war. But you got these, you got these Solarians, I guess. (laughs) So nerds and spaceships. (laughs) Played yourself. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about illusion of choice, let's talk about the last final decision. Oh, no. oh boy. It's, <laughs> we've, worked our, <laughs> we've worked our way up to OG, the main course. And by main course, I mean uh, three different pizzas. They're the exact same pizza, but they're different colors. Are they? Though? I like, uh, are they? <laughs> I like red food coloring uh, on uh, mine. Oh. <laughs> It's okay, it can't uh, be. But no, like, we do all, this everywhere we go. We, I guess. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, the Mass Effect trilogy does come down to a penultimate decision at the end of Mass Effect 3 where the player, as Commander Shepard, is kind of faced with you know, a way to deal with the Reaper threat. You know, the Reapers, in case for the uninitiated, basically an army of robots that destroy all life in the galaxy every few thousand years or so. And they're back. Uh, with a vengeance. They are not cash money. <laughs> they are not cash money at all. They are mm. not groovy to chill with at all. Uh, and there are three ways to address the problem. You can either blow them all up, <laughs> just destroy all of them, assume control of them, or kind of combine them with all sentient life. Kind of, There's destroy, control, and synthesize. Those are the three options. But the thing is, I'm pretty. Correct me if I'm wrong here, fellas, but I'm pretty sure that no matter what Shepard chooses, they basically give their life in the process in almost all yeah. of them. Correct. So it's kind of like no matter it's what, a it's a self. Yeah. 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 Well, in a way, it's a sacrificial we'll see decision. What in Mass Effect. 5, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, there is like a post-credits hint with the destroy ending. If you have high enough galaxy score, right? That uh, you kind of see some rubble move, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not exactly the they take a coming up from the dirt, but mm-hmm. you know, it's something. It's I mean, like, it's they, like, they, oh, they breathe, <laughs> they breathe huh? but yeah, you know, it takes more than one breath to move that hard is all I got to say. I do want to, before we, before we move on, there is like one caveat to these choices. Um, the destroy ending also will destroy the rest of synthetic life, which includes the guests. Yep. Ah, like, that's correct. All the guests. And Edie, uh, a mm-hmm. member. No, you're right. Yeah. Which, which is crazy because that stuff is thrown in as like an extra afterthought. Like it's just a casual mention from yeah, the like, AI. He's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> by the way, you're going to kill an entire civilization as well as. It's, it's like a, it's like a mass EMP, right, you right. know, if, if you're going to take yeah. out one thing, you know, I think they make a point at something to say like, this is not a precision instrument. This is something that is going to affect change on a universal scale. We could not exactly tune this to do exactly what you wanted it mm. to do uh so it's it's going to be a bit more of a blunt object than, right <laughs> than a not a scalpel object. yeah yeah hopefully the geth have a backup <laughs> um, but yeah these these decisions it i will say yes it does feel cheap to a degree however there are more decisions that pop up depending on what you do throughout the games which is nice 
because you can also walk away and just go fuck you. And yeah. like there's there's a, there's a couple of other options if you will, but I think this decision no matter what you already know, you're probably going to die. Uh and I think that that makes the decision a little less uh at least in the the OG3, it makes your decision a bit a little less like, you know, how can I live through this? You know, it's like, nah, all right, I'm going to die. What am I going to do? It really makes it so it's like all hands on deck. What decision do you want to do? Like this, it's, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world for uh, anybody else but you. So what's your decision? And, and it makes it, I don't want to say a little easier, but, yeah. you know. You will die, which is sad. But on the bright side, you won't have to watch Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> Hi -yo. Whoa, hold on, hold on. I did right. enjoy it. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, I didn't finish it. But I, didn't, uh... I, I think one of the more interesting things about the endings here is that it really asks you to walk the talk of what you've done yes. up to this mm -hmm. point. And I do think it's interesting. You know, you have these three options that you have. And I, I think a lot of people look at them and say, well, you know, if they all kind of end the same way, then you know, what does it matter? Because Mass Effect 3 ends and then there's nothing after that. But the point of Mass Effect was never really to just keep going ad infinitum. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 more, you get this final note to say, how is Shepard going to go out? And what did Shepard believe in enough to mm -hmm. be willing to go out on it? So what are you willing to die for? Yes, yeah, yes. and yep. it, it, is, it is a moment of like, you know, am I going to destroy the Reapers? Like I said, I was going to do from, from the very beginning. Or... I, I think control is actually one of the more interesting options because you are kind of teased about it throughout the game by seeing the elusive man and seeing what's been happening to him as he tried yep. to exert control. And to be honest, it's not that different from what Shepard does in the universe, trying to exert their own control, trying to make all these decisions and make these things happen. And is, you know, does Shepard feel like they are able to play megalomaniac in that way, able to, control everything in the universe to make it perfect mm -hmm. or is that going to be a fatal flaw like it was for the elusive man or you have synthesize where you say okay i'm going to make this sweeping change and just force everybody to love each other but <laughs> that's really taking the choice away from them at the end of yep. the day that's mm -hmm. forced unification of synthetics and organics and you know not just problems of consent being applied there but also problems of does shoving everybody together in the same room forcibly really fix the, the core issue at the end of the day? And now you two stay in that room and you don't come out until you're friends again. Yeah, right yeah. Everybody in the Milky Way, you're all shoved in here together and you're also all these weird synthetic organic protomolecule hybrids, who knows? And you just got all going all... through robo puberty. <laughs> now all get along. Y'all just all gotta get along now. And I think it's interesting that you're being given this choice. And then no more yeah. choices after that. You just mm. have you have one last thing to say. I'm going right. to try and spin this universe in the right direction. And I hope it turns out all right. That's mm. that's poignant to me. That's interesting right. to me. And also maybe yeah. a reason why you got to wonder what they're going to do with Mass Effect mm. 5. But mm. um, it, it is, I think you have to make this decision and just hope that it's going to turn out OK. And that's kind of compelling right. in its own way. Yeah, yeah I think that's been. Large, like even we we are coming up on ten years since this game wow. came out. Since, you know the Mass Effect three ending controversy oh, God. Oh. psychically damaged me <laughs> for the rest of my life. But that is as you know, especially as it comes back to like the weight of responsibility that was, which is you know the thesis of what we're talking about. Like 
it, it is like I said, like it is you choosing what you're willing to die for, like the note that you're willing to, like even if Shepard does not die, like you do this with the intention of assuming that you were going to die. Um, and it is like like I was saying, like you know, it's that last note that you're willing to like put this stamp on this universe of like I was here and this is what I believed and this is the note I was willing to leave everything on. And I think like my sort of feeling is that a lot of people are not used to video games not you know giving you the gold star and telling you this was the right thing like and i think that Mm. comes into like some of the controversy around this ending is that like people aren't used to like internalizing why they do things in video games and i think that is what's what's so compelling to me about it all those years ago is that like i you know as i said at the beginning it's like i played a very like hardened renegade shepherd and he you know was doing things like you know with like a hint of selfishness but also like a, a hint of um efficiency and like what he wanted to do and why he did things like i did end up picking the destroy ending and knowing that that was you know that was the renegade option that it was going to destroy an ally force that it was going to destroy a friend and e i still knew the reapers were going to be gone and even if like that was some that was a future i was willing to die for yeah um more so than i was like you know the idea of like becoming you know this the the new catalyst as it were to Mm -hmm. control the reapers or like you know wiping away a lot of what makes you know the mass event universe unique in terms of like all these people have come from like different backgrounds. They have different cultures. They have different ways of being. And like synthesis is kind of this, you know, homogenization of everyone. And, you know, that's, and, you know, that's just my reading on it. And like a lot of people yeah. have like very different readings on like all of these choices. Like I see, you know, these negatives and control and synthesis where a lot of people that pick those endings are like, no, but I did this because like, you know, control is the ending where Shepard alone mm-hmm. is sacrificed and mm-hmm. is able to just pull the Reapers away and, you know, guard the galaxy as it were with, you know, this amazing you know, synthetic force, where I think that's kind of like the beauty of Mass Effect 3 is that everyone, like, you know, in a world where, you know, people were not so angry about it all the time, like, is that it, like, it allows, like, because it ends the way it did, and, you know, especially, like, in the original and before they put the extended cut out, like, and it just kind of, like, you make that decision, then it cuts to black, the credits start, and, like, you just kind of have to live with that. You're never, you're never going to know if it all, yep. you know, turned mm-hmm. out the way that you mm-hmm. wanted it to, and, you know, you yeah. just got to carry that weight. You got to be, like, willing to, you know, stick by what you did Ooh. and why you did it. And the game does not have to, like, give you a trophy for that. Like, you can, like, it is perfectly fine for you to have to just live with what you did mm-hmm. and hope that it was right. I'm I, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but there's, has anybody here seen the old uh, Red vs. Blue on, on, on YouTube? Mm-hmm. There's a, there, seen there's a, po- in passing. there's a poignant point that uh, the character Church said where he goes, you know, when the hero makes the valiant sacrifice to save the day, he doesn't know if it actually works. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't know if the, if the good guys triumphed or evil because he's gone. And I kind of mm-hmm. liked that ending for Mass Effect where it was like, you're nope, that's it. Your mm-hmm. shepherd mm-hmm. shepherd story is done. You have no idea if you if this is a good thing, if this is a bad thing, if this was an OK thing like you, you've mm-hmm. made your choice and your character is dead and gone. The universe is going to keep on moving like yeah it's mm-hmm. it's almost that moment of like what makes you think you're that special that you get right. to like outlive everything no Shepard is right. going to have a finite time in this universe mm-hmm. and you get this one chance to leave your mark on it before you go so mm-hmm. what are you going to do and and you know harken all the way back to what we were talking about with Rex and Vermeer and having to like really assert yourself as not just making a choice for an outcome that you want, but being able to defend it, being able to reason out why you make it. And that's what Mass Effect 3 did (laughs) by just removing any other choice after it and leaving the question mark in the air. It's going, well, how did you justify that? And I, you know, there are people who will say that they pick destroy and and a certain ending just because, oh, because I wanted Shepard to live. And Mm -hmm. sure, you know, that's 
selfishness is as much a reason as anything else <laughs> in this <laughs> world. But I yeah. do think it then, you know, forces you to ask some questions of yourself. Why do I make these choices? What does my shepherd believe in? And I think that's right. the hallmark of a good role-playing game right there. Absolutely. And I think also with this specific game and its decisions for the end, when, like, like you guys said, it's, it's your decision and you process your, like, last decision because of the way you played the game and, and because of who you are as well. And, like, I think that, you know, when you look at the destroy, like, honestly, I saw every decision as not really mine to make besides the destroy. Because what has everybody been doing? Mm-hmm. They are under the impression and they are all the universe, mm-hmm. whatever, the galaxy is in agreement that we are going to destroy the mm-hmm. Reapers together. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, that is your decision. Mm-hmm. That is everybody's decision. But now we're presented with these other options and we're presented with with a way that, yes, you can control them. Mm-hmm. You can let everybody not be destroyed, but also you gain that collective knowledge of every single cycle and you can share that, if you will, with mm-hmm the rest of the galaxy, and then protect the galaxy from outlying threats that are maybe possibly similar to the Reapers from another galaxy. You ha- Then that's another option. And then you have your synthesize option, your Transformers Beast Machines option, which I was a fan of because it was literally the ending to the Transformers universe. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool, so I was like, I'm going to choose that. But that option is, you know, the cycle possibly could continue mm-hmm. even if i destroy the reapers and the cycle could continue where now the geth might you know show up again we might they might have a backup somewhere or something may happen that i don't know about that another ai could show up and then they could become a reaper style situation mm-hmm. again and oh shit now it's happening again you don't like you don't know and that's the whole other thing about the ending of the game is you don't know mm-hmm. every you make this decision and you just don't know what's going to happen because you're fucking dead <laughs> like your character is you and you're fucking dead so you don't know what's going to happen so it's like hey guess what not only are you going to die so that should make this decision a little bit easier for you but guess what you're not going to know what's going to mm-hmm. happen after i can just this catalyst is just telling me what's going to happen mm-hmm. it's like yeah okay deus ex machina just tell me what's going to happen oh sure yeah. but i don't know know mm-hmm. that and this is really dumb, but I think about how everybody loves their decision at the end of this game series so far. This decision, and everybody really, like, holds their decision really mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. to their heart. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, at least your first playthrough decision, you're like, no, that was my decision, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I did that. And this is the dumbest quote, but I really think about it. For all the Rick and Morty people out there, I think of Doofus Rick's quote where he talks to Jerry about like those coins, those like R2D2 coins where he's like, I'm not gonna tell you that these coins will increase in value or even hold their current value. The truth is you bought them because you like them. They have value to you and that's what matters. And that's the thing about Mm. this ending is that's your ending, that's your decision and it has value because it's Mm. you. And I think that, I just think that this decision ultimately is a lot more impactful than people Mm. think. You'll have people who don't think it's impactful, and they're like, it was shit. Da, 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 da. But then you ask them what ending they chose, and mm. they're like, swear by that ending. <laughs> and like, that's their thing. So, yeah, I think, you know, the PTSD resulting from everything that Shepard kind of went through is yeah. like, yeah, it goes to Absolutely. us as well. Mm. I read a book once. It was, a, it was a part of the Horus Heresy series, if that rings any bells with anyone. That's a deep cut. But uh, someone says, don't fuss too much over making the right decision. 
All you got to do is make a good decision, mm. see it through and accept the consequences. And I think, you know, we've touched on a lot of that. It's, when you're in a position that Shepard's in, you know, you just, you make the best call that you can with what you know at the time. And we talked about like, oh, you don't know what the long-term consequences will be. You just know what you know, and you have to go off of that. And when you're going down a one-way street and you know you probably aren't going to come back from it, that gives you such clarity. And I think maybe the pressures of leadership, the pressures of trauma, they kind of fade into the background when you just face the facts of, here's what's in front of me, here's what I have to deal with. And that really translates to the player experience too. Like the player has to deal with all that too. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I mean, there, there's something that just, I think, came to define a console generation and, and lay a lot of ground moving forward to the point that, I mean, we saw games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey and, and stuff like that start to incorporate choice-based dialogue and incorporate this idea of uh, quests having branching narrative, which, to be fair, was not exactly a wholly original thing for Bioware to do in the first place. I mean, they were doing it before Mass Effect came around, and there were other games doing it before then, too, but... The idea Oregon trail. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> the classic, you know, destroy control or synthesize at the end of Oregon trail. <laughs> um, but th- this, this whole idea of having things carry over and having weight, you know, nobody's really ever done it. Like mass effect has in terms of game over game. And I, I think a lot of people always get really hung up on, you know, Oh, did my choices matter? You know, how much did my choices matter? Quantify how much my choices matter <laughs> right. in this game. Give me a score. <laughs> I, I, I do, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit that there were like at least a couple places where I think things panned out weird. And that is just the troubles of making video games is that you can have grand aspirations and then your designer spent a lot of time making Rachni models and it would suck if they didn't get to show them off to every single player. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, there are there are circumstances that come up, but I think one of the more important things that Mass Effect can show is just how choosing choices can shape your own experience with the game. Can actually use this in a headline once I believe it was sh- how sh- how shaping Shepard shaped me or something like that. <laughs> did, did you have to make it a tongue tire? Like this? Was, was, I didn't like anticipate people. I didn't anticipate people would play be saying it out loud. Yeah. Uh, I thought they'd be reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. This was the long the long con that Ken just played on me to get me to goof this on a podcast. But <laughs> that that is I you know, I think a role playing game succeeds when it makes you have to really embody a character and understand why you're making choices in that character. And like we've been talking about, you know, make difficult decisions as that character and then live with them mm. and, and have them become formative pillars. And that's, that's really how mass effect sticks out to me over the years is you have this idea of creating a character that is initially just someone showing up on a screen that is okay. This is my avatar, I guess. But by the end of mass effect three, your shepherd is making a decision that you have to live with because shepherd ain't going to live with it. You're the one that's got to live with it afterwards. And you got to think about it for years to come. And and I think the legacy of mass effect has shown that it worked out for the better. Yep. They were still thinking about it 10 years on. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Well, this has been an absolute delight. It's been a genuine pleasure having you guys uh, hanging out with us with this discussion. It's been a great time. I uh, want to thank you both again for coming on to Lore Party. How do the good folks out there uh, find more of you if they want to hear more of you? Uh, wh- where do you live at? What's your home base? 
home oh, home address shoe size yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, are you the esa is that what that <laughs> uh, that's a deep cut for y'all uh <laughs> you can find me at c moosey that's s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i on the socials i am on normandy fm a week bi-weekly retrospective <laughs> podcast we're still getting used to that schedule uh currently playing through final fantasy 10 and 10 2 and soon our impending cyberpunk season. Nice. Uh, I'm also over at Axe of the Blood God, and you can also find me writing at my day job, uh, Destructoid. Uh, nice. Ken. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ShepardCTR, like Shepard Commander. My day job is I write over at Fanbyte, and I'm also on some other podcasts every now and then. Um, but yeah, like Eric said, Normandy FM was like, if, you're, if you like what we were doing here, there, like, there are 51 episodes of an entire Mass Effect retrospective that went beat by beat through the first through the first four games, and we you know, we did a bunch of other Mass Effect stuff too. Like we did those roundtables, round legendary tables, edition. Yeah. We have a, a periodic news show about Bioware called BioBits. Mm-hmm. So like, if there is a development in Mass Effect, we take time out of our busy schedules to talk nice. about it. So, um, yeah, you can. I mean, I'm always talking about Mass Effect <laughs> anyway. Like, I, I have no reason to, do. but I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah, we just do this. This is just, yeah. you know, it's nice that we get to put it on a podcast and monetize it every now and then, but this yeah. is what we do anyways. <laughs> well, guys, that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.